This episode of WISE contains discussions of child abuse, child death, and postpartum depression. Listener discretion is advised. The birth of a child can be an exciting but uncertain time. Suddenly having to keep a delicate, tiny human alive can be scary, and children don't exactly come with instruction manuals. New parents, regardless of gender, can experience a broad range of emotions following the birth of a child. All of these emotions are coupled with the hormonal changes that new mothers are going through. Some of these hormones allow new mothers to form close-knit bonds with their new baby, while others can lead to feelings of inadequacy, fear, and depression. In modern times, we have a decent understanding of things like postpartum depression and problems that can arise with children within the first few weeks of life. Unfortunately, it wasn't until the last hundred years or so that anyone started really looking into postpartum and postnatal problems. Before that, women were blamed for hysteria and emotional lability were often blamed for any developmental issues that began to appear in their children. It wasn't even until the last few decades that we developed a grasp of things like genetic disorders and the delayed onset of some disorders, like autism spectrum disorders. Even in today's world, children with developmental delays or medical conditions are often seen as second-rate citizens. Some people don't even recognize their humanity, instead focusing on their differences and ignoring their emotional and physical needs. But we have at least reached a point where we recognize children that are different, and many parents work very hard to provide them the best life possible. That hasn't always been the case, though, and in multiple European countries, Developmentally different children weren't just viewed as a strain on family resources, but as a demonic or supernatural replacement of the, quote, healthy, normal baby the mother birthed. These replacement children were known as changelings. When it comes to changelings, there is a lot to unpack. Another name for changelings was oafs, which you probably recognize as a term for someone stupid and clumsy. Changeling children were believed to be children that had been replaced with fairy children, troll children, elf children, dwarf children, water spirits, pixies, children of the devil, or even adult or elderly fairies and trolls. Adult humans could be replaced with changelings also, but that was less common. Even Martin Luther believed in the existence of changelings. He believed they were children of the devil, 
taking the place of human children. He also advocated for their death. Actually, a lot of people advocated for the death of changeling children, but we'll get to that. There were a lot of reasons a child may be swapped out. Sometimes these swaps were made so that an elderly fairy or troll could live out the remainder of their life being well cared for. Babies are fed, clothed, soothed, diapered, coddled, and protected. So, not a bad way to live out the rest of your natural life. Sometimes, children were swapped because the fairy people wanted a human child as a servant, or wanted their own child to be well cared for. Some people believed that fairy infants could only survive on human breast milk, so children may be swapped out to ensure the survival of the fairy baby. People who believed this also believed that sometimes nursing women would be taken by fairies to act as a wet nurse to their fairy infants. Sometimes children were swapped out just because human children are full of love and fairy children were not. If changelings made it to adulthood, the original child, now grown, may be returned to the family, and the fairy would return to their own people. If the fairy didn't remember their roots, they might live their entire life as a human, never knowing they weren't human. Sometimes children were swapped with changelings simply because the fairies or the devil just felt like doing it to be wicked or cruel. In Scandinavia, it was believed that trolls thought it was a great honor to be raised by humans, so they would swap human children out for their own troll children to make sure they were raised well by humans. Beautiful infants or children were more likely to be taken. If you so much as looked enviously at someone else's child, you may have endangered them. If you looked enviously at a child's parents, that could endanger the child as well, unless you added a blessing of some sort to your envious feelings. Blonde hair and blue or silver eyes were often considered to be desirable traits in human children to fairies, making these children more susceptible to being taken. Unbaptized children were more likely to be swapped for changeling troll children. There were ways to protect your baby from being replaced by a changeling child, though. One way being to baptize them into the Catholic Church at a very young age, usually within days of birth. Some people believed that an inside-out coat left near the cradle would deter changeling swaps. Others believed that changelings or fairies were deterred by iron, so open scissors or other iron objects may be left nearby. Boys were more likely to be taken than girls, 
so sometimes boys would be dressed in girls' clothing to protect them. This might go on until the boy was around 10 years old. Sometimes children were replaced for no other reason than opportunity, so it was important to keep babies with their mother or a close family member for at least the first few weeks of life. It was said that new mothers should not sleep for the first three days after the birth of a child, instead staying awake to watch the child. If another family member was available to take over for the new mother, then she could rest while they watched the baby. This involved never letting the baby out of your sight. After the first three days, it was believed that infants still needed to be closely monitored for at least six weeks, which often involved mothers either returning to hard labor and taking their infants with them, or women being kept from strenuous tasks, being left to focus only on the infant and simple household tasks that didn't allow for changeling swaps. It's important to note that in medieval households, a family member being out of work for this long could be damaging to the family. Everyone had a role in the family responsibilities, which often involved tending to crops and animals, making or mending clothing, preparing food, hauling water, tending fires, and repairing damages on farms. All of these responsibilities could be for a personal homestead, or it could be responsibilities on behalf of a feudal lord. One story tells of a lord who required a woman to return to working the fields a week after giving birth. She left her baby in some grass, but when she returned to it later, the infant had been swapped with a changeling. She was able to get her baby back from the fairies, but the feudal lord learned his lesson and no longer required women to return to working so soon after giving birth. Let me point out here that women were given a break from these strenuous duties not for their own health or safety, but for the protection of the infant. How would you know if your baby had been replaced by a changeling? In some cases, the mother or both parents would swear that the child looked different, taking on a larger head, thicker facial features, or a different proportion of their limbs to their body. If you felt your baby was getting uglier as it developed, it could be a changeling. But just about anything out of the ordinary could be explained by a changeling. If your baby suddenly starts crying too much or crying too little, they may be a changeling. If your baby or toddler become withdrawn or quiet, or didn't develop language or motor skills at an appropriate time, they might be a changeling. Children that were too small or weren't growing were often considered to be changelings. 
If a child began to develop a poor temper, or became prone to screaming or biting, or lacked appropriate social development, they could be a changeling. Developmentally delayed children that were seen laughing or dancing when nobody else was around were thought to be changelings. Children that could eat excessive amounts of food and still be hungry, or infants that could nurse and never seem sated, were usually thought to be changelings. If your developing child said things that seemed beyond their years, definitely a changeling. Children with an inexplicable penchant for counting things, like spilled seeds or grains, or obsessive tendencies, were thought to be changelings. Changeling children usually did not live much past the age of eight, and very rarely made it past 18. And if you're thinking to yourself, these signs of a child being a changeling sound an awful lot like genetic, developmental, or social disorders. Yeah, you're right. See, calling your child a changeling explained why there was something, quote, wrong with them. Children that were believed to be changelings could actually have suffered from Prader-Willi syndrome, autism spectrum disorder, spina bifida, cystic fibrosis, progeria, Hunter syndrome, Down syndrome, homocystinuria, phenoketonuria, cerebral palsy, developmental delays, and a whole host of other conditions. People didn't understand genetics or fetal development, so they wouldn't have understood. There are actual explanations for these conditions. They also didn't understand that some disorders don't begin to appear until children are beyond a certain age or that you may not notice a child isn't developing normally until they've missed a number of developmental milestones. Developmental milestones being something else medieval people wouldn't have had a solid grasp of. Even children born with birth defects were sometimes considered to be changelings that had been swapped in the womb. Children who had someone caring for them around the clock for the first few weeks of life were less likely to become changeling children as well, which was likely due to the bonding and social interaction they were receiving. Infants that are not held, coddled, or soothed often enough can have delays in their development and can even end up with mental illnesses and personality disorders. If a child had been replaced with a changeling child, there were a few ways people claimed to be able to out the changeling and get their own child back. The easiest way was to begin preparing to make stew, brew beer, or boil water inside of eggshells in the presence of the child suspected to be a changeling. If they were a changeling, they would laugh and say something along the lines of, I've been alive for a long time and have never seen someone try to cook in eggshells. Once outed, they would leave, and the real child would be returned. 
This was the only kind way to identify a changeling. The other ways included whipping or beating the child until the changeling's mother or family showed up, taking the changeling with them and returning the real child. The last way to identify a changeling was to heat them in an oven or over a fire. This would result in the changeling begging to be released, and the real child would be returned. There is at least one account of a woman killing her own child in an oven, believing them to be a changeling child. All of this is pretty horrifying. What's even more horrifying is that people were still being tried for killing their own family members for being changelings as recently as the 1890s. In 1826, a woman ordered the murder of a four-year-old child who was unable to speak or walk, named Michael Leahy. She ordered the child to be bathed every morning until he was cured. On the third morning, Michael was held underwater long enough that he drowned. She claimed he was a changeling, and she was acquitted of murder. In 1895, a young woman named Bridget Clary was burned to death by her husband and multiple family members after a bout of illness left the family convinced she was a changeling. It's likely that the illness was severe bronchitis or pneumonia. Bridget's husband was charged with manslaughter, while three people were charged with wounding, and another was acquitted of all charges. Even today, we still have people who will refuse to get their child diagnosed or treated for a disorder because they'd rather believe there isn't anything wrong with their child than have to learn how to provide for a child with special needs. In their mind, the child they've been given isn't what they appear to be. We put a lot of stock in children. Parents have dreams for their children to become people of greatness, like astronauts, doctors, even the president. For some parents, a special needs child in their minds ruins these dreams. Because these dreams were never about the child at all. They're always about the parent. Women suffering from postpartum depression have been known to harm their children. These are almost always women who don't feel like they can voice their depressive symptoms to anyone. They feel like they're broken, like they're a bad mother for having thoughts of running away, suicide, or infanticide. Postpartum depression is extremely complex and can be difficult to treat. Women who feel safe and comfortable asking for help and not like a burden or a bad mother are more likely to receive adequate treatment for their postpartum depression. Demonizing women for asking for and needing this help only makes these situations more likely to happen. There are things that could have played into changeling lore other than parents refusing to accept that their child is different or postpartum depression. 
There's a psychiatric disorder called folie adieu, or madness of two, that involves a shared psychosis between two or more people, usually people that share a close bond, like spouses and families. In communities that were steeped in superstition and folklore, this disorder could have been responsible for the murder of multiple children. If the child's parents, or even the entire family or close friends, believed that the child was a changeling child, then attempting to force the changeling out could have occurred, uninhibited, with multiple people thinking that beating or murdering a child was acceptable because they all believed that the child wasn't a child at all. This is a complex and rare disorder, but it absolutely could have played a part here. And then there's always the option that changeling child beliefs were used as an excuse to murder a child. Children that required round-the-clock care, children that ate more than their portion, children that weren't able to learn how to perform a job or function in society, would all have been viewed as someone that was holding a family back. Another mouth to feed that wasn't able to earn their keep. Some people would have been able to use this lore to murder their child with nobody batting an eye, once they heard that the child was thought to have been a changeling. Medical advances have brought us to a place where we can look back at this horrifying belief and see it for the discrimination and cruelty it was. But we still have a long way to go with how we treat people who are different or have special needs. Children need love and care, no matter what, even if that care is a little bit different than what we're used to. I'll leave you with this. In nature, there's a phenomenon called brood parasitism that some birds, arthropods, and fish participate in. This involves a mother laying her eggs in a nest belonging to another species. Mother animals are usually not able to recognize the baby that hatches is not their own, so they raise it as their own. Animals that take part in brood parasitism usually hatch faster than other species, so these will hatch before the other eggs in the nest, giving them the best chance at survival and giving them a head start on getting big enough to bully the other animals in the nest away from food, sometimes even kicking them out of the nest entirely. Thank you for listening to this very dark episode of Wise. Please become a patron and help me create new content and get access to special patron-only content at patreon.com slash wisepodcast. If you have suggestions or questions, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at awisepodcast or email me at awisepodcast at gmail.com.